Welcome to NucleCast, the official podcast of the Anwa Deterrence Center. Each week, we bring you leading experts for a lively discussion on topics related to strategic nuclear deterrence. Our host is Dr. Adam Lowther, Director of Strategic Programs at the National Strategic Research Institute. The views of the hosts and the guests are their own. Welcome back to another exciting episode of NucleCast. As always, I am your host, Adam Lowther, and today we have with us two very special guests because we wanted to do a human interest story, which we never do here on NucleCast, but of course, we're going to break all the rules. So today we have with us Lieutenant Colonel Ray Van and his daughter, Captain Gabby Graham, formerly Van, but now Graham. She is... Of course, his daughter, and they both serve at the 90th Missile Wing together. Now, Ray is the deputy OG. Now, you might be asking yourself, OG, what is that? Is that an original gangster? Why, yes, he is an original gangster, but he is also the deputy ops group commander. And then Gabby is the executive, the exec up at the 90th Missile Wing. And so... Ray, Gabby, welcome into NucleCast. Good morning, Adam. Thank you very much. Uh, we're really excited to be on your show. We're big fans, so we look forward to chatting with you this morning. Now, you and Gabby have a very unique, uh, I don't know what to call it, experience perhaps, where you are the first father and child whether son or daughter, either one, in the history of the the missile force that have both served and you're both CMR together. So could you explain for our audience what that means? Um, So basically that means that we were able to go out to the missile field together. Um, We were able to go and sit in the capsule and pull an alert together um, and perform our main job and our duties at the same time, which hasn't happened, like you said, uh, any time that we can find. So, and Adam, part of our, our CMR requirements is, you know, a lot of training, um, evaluations, certifications. And we, we've got a lot of different levels of training required to be able to become CMR. And once you're CMR, then you're able to pull the nuclear alert cycle. And so together, Gabby has been CMR for many years now. It's been a little while since I've been CMR with my you know, uh, a couple of assignments in the past, but this was the first opportunity that we came together. One, the odds of being at the same base station together are astronomical. Uh, the odds of us both being able to be CMR at the same time or even more, and then to be able to both go out and alert together was, was phenomenal and fantastic. And we're, we're really proud to have been able to do that together.
Sure, absolutely, Adam. So I was uh, from we're, we're from San Antonio, Texas, my wife and I. And when I uh, graduated high school, I enlisted in the Air Force. And so my first job in the Air Force was a supply technician. So I spent about six years in base supply. Um, enjoyed the Air Force immensely. It was always my dream to serve and, and to join the Air Force. And so I spent six years learning the logistical systems for the Air Force. About that time, I started going to school and I realized I wanted to try something new. So I actually applied for a reclassification and a retraining. And at that time, it was very rare. It was, it's really hard to have gotten picked up for those kind of things. And, you know, luck have it that we actually got selected. So I reclassed and retrained into optometry. I got to go back to tech school as a senior airman at that time, uh, relearn a new career field, move into the medical field. And I will tell you that the difference between the logistics field and the medical field is pretty significant. So it's a different culture for sure. And so I got to go uh, work in the hospitals and treat patients, and, and I loved it. It was, it was a phenomenal job. Uh, we PCS'd to Warner Robins, Georgia, and I worked for a colonel, a doctor, uh, Dr. Forrest. Um, and, man, did he light a fire under me to get my education done. Uh, and so I started working towards my degree. Uh, PCS to Misawa, Japan. Got to take Gabby and her sister at the time, Alex, out to uh, the Pacific, and we just loved the time out there. So while we were there, I had a great meeting with the education teams, right? Something I tell our, our troops all the time, go out there and talk to your education offices. Um, they found a program for me that would allow me to go to school full-time, get my commission, and then come back into the Air Force as an officer. And so we jumped on it. We jumped at the opportunity and tried to do something different. And so we went back to school, finished up my degree, you know, joined the Air Force, re, re got my re accustomed to the Air Force through a commissioning source. I graduated from Texas State University, so I commissioned there. Uh, and then came back into the Air Force as an officer. And so I got to go into ICBM operations, which I love. I absolutely love what we do. And as an ICBM operator, I've been to two of the three missile wings. I was stationed at Mina. I was stationed at F.E. Warren. Uh, and then Barksdale, where I think we met for the first time when you became the director of SAMS, which is fantastic. And then, of course, I got to spend a really fantastic year with you learning a lot about nuclear deterrence and ops research with AFIT. Uh, and then to go off and running all over the place. So about that time, Gabby, we were here at F.E. Warren. Gabby and her sister both graduated high school here and both went to the University of Wyoming. So that's where Gabby joined ROTC and started her push towards being an officer. So we were down in Barksdale when she graduated and commissioned as a second lieutenant. And I remember having tons of friends I sent her to see all over the place because I wanted her to get as much experience with what opportunities were out there for the Air Force. And so... She went and saw a bunch of different jobs. Um, and the one thing I think kind of really solidified her, her spot here is uh, Cynthia Gunderson was a squadron commander up here at F.E. Warren. And so I asked her, uh, I told her, you know, I can, I can tell her what it's like to be an operational ICBM operator. I can tell her what nukes is like. I can't tell her what it's like to be a female in the ICBM force. And so I sent her over to see Colonel Gunderson. Uh, she took her out on some tours, took her over to 20th. And I had no idea, by the way. I, have, I found out after the fact. We get down to Barksdale. Gabby calls all excited one night and says she's decided. She knows what she's going to do in the Air Force and says, I'm going to go on ICBMs and I'm headed to Vandenberg. And so that was kind of the beginning of Gabby getting on her path. Gabby? So it was, but it sounds much more like I was together and I had it. Um, it all started with a trash can. So eventually I got to that point and I was really excited to be a missler. Um, but I've always wanted to be in the Air Force since I was a really little girl. 
Um, little enough that I didn't understand the concept of trash and people paying for trash services versus on base. You know, trash just came and left and I didn't have to worry about it. Um, so as a really little girl, that's where it started was I don't want to buy my own trash can and I don't want to have to pay for trash services. Um, it later developed into me actually wanting to stick with the Air Force and me really wanting to join and serve for the country. Um, but initially it, it started with a trash can. And then as I continued, um, we started to get into, you know, really what the military was. And like my dad said, it was really cool to watch him and his passion and what he loved about this job. And that was just the little bit I could see as a military child. Um, and there, there wasn't a ton that I could see. I, I was a kid, I was going to school and he was active duty and working, but the little bit that I could really got me interested. And like he said, as I started to go and see other jobs and I saw our job, our job just really was special to me. And I thought there was a lot of really cool and powerful things that we can do as a missileer um, that really set me up to get on this path and get going. Now is now that you're stationed, you know, this, you know, you're stationed together. Do you, is there something about it? Cause you know, when it comes to military families, you know, we have a tendency to, one generation follows the next generation, follows the next generation. I, you know, my son is, is 12. Well, he turned 13 yesterday. So he's now a teenager and his plan is to follow me. And he wants to go into the Navy and he wants to be a, a nuke electronics technique or a nuke uh, ET. Uh, and he wants to, you know, be on a boomer. And he want you know he wants to become a nuclear engineer, and so in in many respects he sort of sees what his dad does, and then he wants to do something similar, and that's pretty common for military families, but what's not common is the fact that you know father and daughter are stationed together. So as you're stationed together, what have been sort of the benefits? of being, I mean, is it more family dinners? Uh, you know, what, what is it? Somebody to watch the kids when you and, and the husband want to go out. I mean, that's kind of a great thing. Yes. I think it's really unique. Cause like you're saying, military is not used to being next to your family. You're up and over and all over the place. Um, so it's been really cool to be right here with each other. I think it gives my daughter a chance to hang out with grandma and grandpa a lot more than we would have ever expected. Um, gives me a chance to come and get some dinners from mom. And so, so it's been really good to be able to be right here and have kind of that family bond that you wouldn't have expected to have, especially with both of us still serving. You know, Adam, I think for us, it's, it's kind of, it's really unique um, and sometimes a little both humbling and surreal. So one of the really fun parts of what we do here at, at uh, F.E. Warren is when we were here in 2010, we lived in a house together that was a single house and we loved it, right? The historic housing here, we, we loved every bit of it. So when Gabby PCS'd here, she moved into the house next to the house she grew up in and went to high school in, which was pretty fantastic. We PCS here and they move us into the house on the other side of the house we, that she grew up in. And so we're literally two houses away from each other. We see each other in the front yards. Our granddaughter waves at us when she drives by. You know, they come over all the time. We go over it all the time. It's it's one of those unique things that when you join the military, for the most part, you leave your family and you travel to the bases and you go to the different assignments and you, and you, and you live a fantastic life. Very seldom do you get to be very close to your immediate you know, family that way. 
after they've left the house. So for us, the opportunity to just see each other daily, literally daily, is just phenomenal. We, we couldn't ask for, for a better situation for us down here. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that f- for me as somebody, you know, I've made 15 moves over the course of my career. So we generally are never near family and we might see my kids might see their grandparents once or twice a year. So the opportunity to live two doors down from them, I think my kids would absolutely jump at. So that that's really kind of a, a unique and, and wonderful opportunity. So I guess one of the things I, I want to know from you, Gabby, is in, in these years that you and your dad are stationed together, are there things about being an officer or being a missileer that your dad is teaching you that you would not have otherwise had the opportunity to learn? I think absolutely. Um, I think the fact that we're right here and that we can go in and we can talk about the different things that he's seen on the way and the different experiences that he's had. Um, it's been really cool to be able to see that and see kind of how his career has played along. Um, I don't know that it necessarily took us living together to do that. I think having him close is, is really nice because I can kind of see all of his experiences. Um, but even before that, I would ask him tons of questions and, and see kind of how his career went, what tips and tricks he had as time went by. And so for you, Ray, as you've had this chance, I mean, and I think we all, you know, most of the listeners here uh, for Nuclecast are going to be on the more experienced side and they will have gone through this point in their career that you're at now. And so I can imagine that for many listeners, they're like, man, that's great. I sort of wish I would have had a similar opportunity. So for you, what would you say is sort of the thing that you like most about this point in your career in life in terms of having Gabby around? <laughs> so it's, it's pretty phenomenal to watch your child, um, you know, who you watched grow up from a baby into this amazing adult and officer, and you get to watch them in their daily job doing their daily operational mission set. And it's not something I think many parents get to see, right? I, I think about the only folks that kind of see that are folks that own corporations or businesses in which they've turned it over to their to their children and they get to watch them do the job and, and kind of run with it. Most of us, I think, watch our kids grow up, graduate high school, go to college, graduate and go out into the workforce, but we don't get to see day to day what they do and how they do it. And so one of the one of the first moments of wow for me was a wing staff meeting. And so I walk into a wing staff meeting and the executive officer is up there and she's setting up her slides and she's setting up the meeting. And of course, as you know, the exec runs, you know, the, sets up and runs the meeting for the wing commander and to make sure that everything goes on time and as it should. And so I am, I'm just watching the staff meeting. My job is to attend the staff meeting on behalf of the OG at the time, but I'm watching my daughter basically put this whole thing together and execute, you know, a flawless, uh, Meeting, which doesn't always go that way, right? And so maybe it was just luck. The first one went fantastic that I got to saw, see. But it was just one of those moments of, wow, that's my daughter. She's up there in the front of this thing. She's surrounded by colonels, lieutenant colonels, majors, chiefs. And she's got this whole thing organized, ready to execute. So that when the wing commander walks in, it's a, it's a meeting that goes on time and, and does everything we're supposed to do. And so it's, it was, that was probably the first moment for me where I was like, wow. Uh, the second big moment was when we went on alert together. Uh, Adam, you you know I, I worked very hard as a missileer to try and keep up with all the young kids 
So I, I prided myself in studying and wanting to do well. But I recognized very quickly when I went on alert that she's pretty good at what she does. And I was better to get out of some of the way and, uh, and just watch her do her thing. And I think that was just so phenomenally cool. Something I, I will never forget. Yeah, that is, that is, uh, and then, you know, the, the great thing is you get more time with the grandkids. So that's always, uh, a, a positive of having a dual, you know, both of you stationed at the same, same place. So, you know, it, it worked out for us in Wyoming because not only is Gabby here, um, at the time, our youngest daughter and her two sons and husband were at Laramie, uh, just 30, 45 minutes away because her husband was finishing law school. So we got to spend probably the first six months here with everybody, the entire family. And so very many weekends that first six months here and, and with all of the grandkids, which was just phenomenal. Uh, they've since got hired on as an assistant district attorney over in uh, Kemmer. So they're moved away a little farther, but still in the state, right? It's like five hours to get to them, which in the past has been anywhere from 16 to 20. And so it's, it's really cool for us. And I think another benefit that we didn't initially think about was their brothers, our kids, right? Our sons are, our oldest just turned 18 and is getting ready to graduate high school this year. Our youngest is 17, uh, 16 rather, is getting ready to be 17 next year. But this is the first time that they, and I hadn't thought about it, have lived close to their siblings since they were probably six years old, right? They don't really recall the older <laughs> sisters really living at home. They remember them as they visited during holidays and summers. And so this has been the first time that they also get to interact with uh, their sisters daily. Oh, that's awesome. I'm, now we're at that time in the show where we have to take a quick break. You're listening to Nuclecast, and we'll be right back. This episode of Nuclecast is brought to you by the Anwar Deterrence Center, whose mission is to educate Americans about the nuclear enterprise and strategic deterrence. back and we're talking to Lieutenant Colonel Ray Van and Captain Gabby Graham, who is, of course, Ray's daughter. And with a with a father and daughter who are having this career, I do have one question. It's about the competition. And that so, Gabby, as you look at your dad's career and then you look at your career, you know, are you saying, you know what, I think I can do better. I'm on a better track. <laughs> or do you say, you know. The old guy, the old guy still got it. You know, I don't know if I can eclipse him or where, where are we in the competition? Cause I know I'd be competing. <laughs> so, so I tease him all the time um, and we do joke back and forth about it. I think already, even as a, a captain and him being Lieutenant Colonel, our paths have differed so much. Um, and I, I'm still very young in our career compared to where he's been. Um, so I think more from a teasing aspect, I always tease him about, We'll see where I go and what I can do. Um, but in reality, our paths have been so different already that 
it's hard to kind of see where he was at versus where I was at at the time because it's been different. Yeah. Uh, Adam, I, I will admit that there may or may have may or may not have been a time or two where I've gotten the uh, okay boomer question uh, <laughs> thing back at me. Uh, and, and she's right. Right now, if you were to compare, and I'm not saying that we do because we do, <laughs> if you were to compare where I am at that where I was at that point in my career, right? As a, as a captain in a little bit different cycle of the way we built our, our, our assignments, I was in my three and a half year point, you know, when, before I moved to 20th uh, and became, became part of the standing eval team and an evaluator there. In that same cycle of six years, Gabby has been at two bases. She was an operator up at Minot. She became an instructor in the squadron here. Then she became a planner in EWO here and now is the wing exec. She has clearly <laughs> eclipsed anywhere I got to in my first six years of, of uh, ICBF service. So there's there's no doubt Gabby is uh, is really on an unbelievably good trajectory, and I think it's just her work her work ethic. Right? She she's very focused and dedicated, and she believes in, in in doing a good job everywhere she goes. And I think that's easy to see, not just because I'm her dad, but just as an officer, it's it's easy to see when somebody is really up and moving to do goodness. And I think that's what really gets people looking your way. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And, and it's one, so I do have a, I want to change the subject a little bit and it's about one of the things we've talked a lot about in, uh, on Nuclecast is about, um, building career fields, the, the personnel, the human capital issue that we have, and so as I've listened to you guys talk about your careers and what motivated you, Gabby, it, it has me thinking about sort of the, the state of the pool from which we, the military, can draw for, you know, our, our future. And that pool is, has shrunk. And the, the latest studies I've seen suggest that there's only about 20 to 25 percent of 18 to 24-year-olds that would be eligible to serve in the military. And so I guess one of the things that I wonder about is, is this heavy reliance that we have on, you know, military families, generation after generation serve. And I wonder, Gabby, you as somebody who like your dad and I, who are not, you know, we're boomers, my kids, it's funny, my 10 and 12 year old call me a boomer because I was almost, (laughs) I was close to 40 when they were born and so I'm not quite a boomer, which I tell them, but they don't seem to get that. But <laughs> I, I just wonder, is there a way for us to reach uh, a broader audience of younger people that might not traditionally be interested in the military? I mean, you went to a, the University of Wyoming, and I, I sort of wonder, how do we you know, entice young people into the military and, and expand that pool from which we traditionally draw, you know, that pool of daughters and sons. Any, do you have any thoughts on that, Gabby? I, I think it's just getting out there and showing people how cool of a job and a mission set we can do. Um, I think being able to go out and talk to people about what we do is a really important start because I think a lot of people don't understand or don't know what it's like to be military. If you don't grow up military, it's a very different career to jump into. Uh, My husband didn't grow up military. So even from his aspect, 
it's very different to come into it and try and see what this lifestyle is like and moving every couple of years. Um, so I think really if we get out there and we talk to people and we show them what we do and we explain what that lifestyle is like, you can kind of start to appeal to more of that audience um, and kind of bring those people in and show them what it's all about. Adam, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know if you, uh, if, if you knew this, but I kind of took a, uh, an out of the norm assignment as an ICBM operator. And so when I left the Pentagon, I actually was selected for command to command a squadron at Lathland, which was a basic military training squadron. And so for me, that was a little bit full circle because that's obviously where I started 30 years ago as, a, as an airman. And so I got to spend two years there as a commander and then a year there as a deputy group commander for Lathland for AATC. The, the culture of the, of the younger generations coming in is significantly different than, than what you or I would have seen when we joined in the service. There's, there are so much more intelligent. There's so much more experienced and educated. And their age groups is not, when I came in, tons of folks, 17, 18-year-olds, 18 18 right out of high school. Now we're seeing folks that are of a, a little bit older generation. We had everyone from 17 to 25 is about the average of those trainees coming through. So they don't come to the, to the military necessarily, as in, as in my experience, for the same things that you and I might have joined for. Like I, I wanted to get out of the house and do something fantastic and, and travel the world. I've seen so many members come in that want a better education, a better life for their families, a focused, a focused career more than just, you know, I'm going to do a job and get out. Um, so I was really excited and pleased that that was the shift to a lot of the generations coming through. But the significant difference is they don't have any experience, anything like the military. And so there's, you know, we don't, and not everybody graduates at basic, that's for sure. And we find that along the way, most of that is that experience of just, it's a different culture. It's a different life. Believe it or not, 19 year olds don't like being told what to do. <laughs> and so it, it was, it was interesting to see, we still had a pretty good number of folks coming through. We graduated 30 plus a year. 30,000 plus a year, but, but you're right. It's different. There, there wasn't as many of this, the, the trainees that said my parents served, my mom served, my dad served, my grandpa served. A lot of these folks are like, I wanted to see what the military was about and I wanted to do something different. So you're right. It's, it's, it's a little different pool than what I think we would have seen in the nineties. Now uh, for, for you, Ray, and I'll change topics again, as you, you know, you're coming to the end of your career. And you, <laughs> I think we, I think we did have a talk about that here, uh, not too long ago. And, uh, you know, as you, cause you've been around for, you know, a very long time, you know, with your prior service time. And I wonder, as you look at Gabby and you look to the future, what is it that you aspire for her thinking back on your own career and your own you know, sacrifices and the things that you did and didn't do. What do you want for her in the years ahead? Oh, Adam, that's a really, it's a really solid question. So one of the things that I think about often is I always want to tell her the things I wish I'd known at the time, right? Like, man, I wish I'd known that this is what it would have been expected of me or what I should be thinking about. And some of that's hard to explain, right? It's hard to envision a young CGO thinking like a lieutenant colonel at the same at that same time period. They just don't have the same kind of experience. So in my mind, I thought, well, I'll share as many of those experiences with her as I can so that it'll help her be more prepared when those things come up. 
what I've come to realize is that telling her how that looked and sounded when I was a CTO isn't quite the same as it looks and sounds now. <clears throat> and so sometimes I get the hey boomer look, right? When when I talk about some of the things that that I experienced. And there's there's levels of, of learning and experience that no matter how many times I might be able to explain what it was like, until you've experienced it, it's just not quite the same. So I found that initially as a young lieutenant, I wanted to tell her everything. And that was probably a, a lot that was, okay, got it, dad. I don't, I don't know what that means, but I'll, I'll wait for 15 years till I hear that's going to happen, right? <clears throat> but what I do think I was uh, really proud to be able to share with her is not only the passion for what we do, but the passion for taking care of our people, right? One of the things that we do is sometimes folks get wrapped up around, you know, a lot of different parts of how we do our job. And we forget that the, the mission set and the people set, it's, it's neck and neck, hand in, hand in hand, all the way through everything we do. <clears throat> and so I think one of the things that I hope I've shared, in, you know, with her is that we can be tough, we can be stringent and strict, and we can do our job, and we don't have to be jerks about it. You know, we can we can help people move along in their careers and be successful, even when they don't know that they can be successful. Right. Sometimes that self-doubt that folks can get in their heads will make a bigger impact on them than it really should. And so I think one of the things I've always wanted to share with her is, is being a leader is, is being an empathetic person who helps people be more successful than they think they can. And my gauge for success is not how well I do, but how well I help other people to reach the goals and successes that they would like. So I hope, I hope Gabby takes that away and, and does that. Cause I do know when I met her graduating cap class of young lieutenants, boy, they wanted to go set the world on fire and they were, they were amazing. Uh, and it's hard to teach that when they're that young, cause they just want to get out there and crush everything. Yeah. And as we come to the end of the show, l- let me turn that sort of question over to you, Gabby, as you've, you know, had this chance to, you know, spend a few years with your dad and, and sort of get that wisdom that sometimes we, you know, we don't always, we, we don't always get to have, cause I mean, we don't always get to serve with our dads who are senior officers to us. So what are the things that you think that you'll take away from these couple of years together? I think just watching him be able to work almost in the same sense that he said, he got to watch me do and run what I do. Um, I think being able to actually watch him in action and see kind of how he does and how he handles different tasks. It's been really cool to be able to see him be like, oh, that's a good idea. I wouldn't have thought of doing something like that. Um, just because I get to watch firsthand now. In the past, you know, we would talk to each other and I would ask him questions on how he may have done this or, you know, fill in the blank for what the question may have been. Um, but now I can ask that question and see firsthand kind of what he does and what that looks like. So I think it's really cool to be able to actually see day to day what that looks like, as opposed to just kind of talking on the phone, but not really being at the same place together. Yeah. So as you, as we end the show, are there any bits of wisdom that either one of you would have for those generations that are, or young airmen that are, you know, maybe coming behind you, because I'm sure there's other airmen where, you know, a father or a mother gets to serve with a son or a daughter, uh, you know, and they may be doing this in, in the years ahead. Do you have any wisdom or insights for those who may get to have this opportunity two years, five years, 10 years down the road? I think enjoy it. <laughs> um, it 
it's not something like we've talked that has really happened. Um, so I think when the opportunity is there and it all works out, it's a really cool chance to be able to be not only on active duty together, but serving at the same mm-hmm. location. Um, so I think taking the time to just really enjoy and soak in those moments and whether it be at home with us all eating to dinner together or even just waving at each other as we pass each other in the office. Oh, I think taking the time to realize that it's such a unique situation to be able to do for even as little or as long as you may and just really enjoying <clears throat> that time. Yeah, I think Adam, for me on my side, it's um, you can do it. It can be done. Um, I have a huge amount of love and leader and respect for our leadership teams here at FU Warren because, you know, they knew we were father and daughter. They knew that we were related. They knew that we were both going to be CMR at the same time. And they didn't hesitate one moment to allow us to be stationed at the same place and to pull a nuclear together. And I think in the past, uh, that may not have been the same. That may not have had the same, the same thought process as what our leadership team here at uh, Colonel Barrington is fantastic. And, you know, I had no hesitation in, in bringing me down here to be the deputy group commander for her OG and knowing full well that she had a daughter in the OG that was getting ready to move to the wing uh, of the same missileer. And so I think that's really important for folks to know. We are professional officers. We take our jobs very seriously in what we do in our careers. And it actually was probably a good four or five months before most of the people here even knew we were related. And so I think those things are important for people to understand that you can you can be stationed together with your with your family and it's okay. All right. Well, thanks for that. It's uh, it's been a great interview. Thanks for being the first to be a father and daughter on on alert at the same time. That's uh, that's obviously a, one of those really special things. So thanks for joining us, Ray, Gabby, and uh, we appreciate uh, taking the time to join us on Nuclecast. Adam, thank, thank you. you so much for this opportunity. It's been fantastic, and, uh, and we're really excited for this chance. So thank you. And thanks to you, the listeners, and we will see you on the next episode of Nuclecast. Well, just a few afterthoughts for today. Uh, you know, it's it's always good. I remember when Ray was, uh, you know, he was one of the students at Sands when I was the director. And, you know, Gabby was a young, you know, she was still a young woman at that time. And that was, you know, eight years, seven, eight, seven years ago, probably. And so it's it's good to see how people have you know, grown and been successful. And, uh, you know, it's just a a great opportunity for Ray and Gabby to get a chance to serve together and be the first father and daughter to pull alert together. I mean, that's just one of those special things that you don't often get in your career. So it was good to, to have a chance to talk with them about that and to see that they're, that they're both having a great career and a great couple years being stationed together. This has been a production of the ANWA Deterrence Center. Our executive producer is Kimberly Charrington, and this episode has been engineered and mixed by David Grunthal. Follow the show on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter at Nuclecast. Listen, follow, and review the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.